Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. The good news? The divorce rate has been dropping in recent years. The bad news? This is because fewer people are actually getting married. And in addition, divorces seem to be on the rise in places where life is starting to return to some sense of normal after the shelter-in-place orders are easing. But to be honest, all doesn't have to be lost. For those who want to have a better marriage, this global crisis can be a blessing in disguise. The key is the willingness to do something different to strengthen your relationship instead of hunkering down and hoping that it'll get better all on its own. And my guests today are just the ones to help you do that. Todd Jacobs is the co-founder and director of the David Robinson Institute for Jewish Heritage in Jerusalem, and Dr. Peter Lynn is the Dean of Students at the David Robinson Institute, and they are the authors of the new book, Not a Partnership, Why We Keep Getting Marriage Wrong and How We Can Get It Right. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about it's a timely topic. It never goes away. I know people keep talking about marriage being dead or unnecessary, but people still want to get married. So I so appreciate your book and the fact that you came on the show. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's just a pleasure to be here. <laughs> thank you so much for having us. So here's a big question, and I, and I get it all the time, and, uh, and it seems to be a prevalent question for a lot of young people is, is marriage really a different kind of relationship as opposed to just a committed relationship or living together? I mean, what does marriage matter? So, you know, I, uh, this is Todd. I'm going to maybe take a stab at that, Leslie, and then, and then I'm sure Peter wants to weigh in here. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you look up what marriage is in Webster's Dictionary, which we actually did in the context of our book, it's, you know, it's not very helpful. You know, it basically says some sort of like a, a, you know, a legal agreement for two people to, you know, live together in matrimony or something like that. And it's mm-hmm. not very, very helpful. And I think historically, you know, there were reasons that people got married that had to do with um, financial security, physical security, many, many things which, you know, probably in an, in an older version of the world might have made you know, a lot of sense, you know, um, you know, man is breadwinner and woman needs to be protected at home with the kids, which, which for many people sounds very, very, you know, antiquated, outdated, and certainly does not, you know, match up to, you know, two people with professional lives and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, and quite, a, and quite, you know, modern sensibilities, et cetera. So it's, so the old definition really um, doesn't do very much. And yet what's interesting is when you look at the research, people still, very much um, on an aggregate level in the United States, and I, and, I, and I have no reason to think that it's not at least directionally the same um, in Europe and Asia and other places, there still is a concept that there is one person who is uniquely meant for me, who can complete mm-hmm. me, who I can help oh, complete. And, and, and that is done through a process of filtering out everybody else um, that uh-huh. is potentially in that space so that we can fully, fully commit to each other 
with, with physical, emotional, and intellectual intimacy all coming together, all working together in a way that gives me happiness, security, not just financial security, but emotional security and psychological security and, um, and physical comfort and you know, really a, a, a place where I can find happiness, fulfillment, and fullness. And it tends to be true from everything we've seen, both in, in, in terms of the actual, you know, let's call it clinical work that we've done with our students over the last 15 years, as well as everything we've seen in the survey data, that tends to really only work in a highly committed relationship, not where there's no way out, but where, where the commitment level is higher than just, hey, I'll hang out with you as long as you sort of meet my physical needs or you meet my emotional needs. Now, can that mm-hmm. happen outside of a legal framework of what's called marriage in Western society? Uh, yeah, it could, it could be that it yeah. does, mm-hmm. as long as the rest of it is there um, in terms of the level of commitment. Peter, I'm sure that Peter wants to add to that. So, Peter? Hi. Just adding off of what Todd said here is um, – you know, I think that one of the things we try and do in the book is, and I think this is the major difference between that marriage relationship and anything outside of that, is really that are people ready to be in a marriage? And that really comes down to defining what a marriage is. And, you know, like Todd touched upon, a marriage is basically, the way we define it is, the total investment in the well-being of another person. And if I take a marriage, I'm going to take, let's say I'll take my marriage, my job in my life, my number one priority is to do everything I can to give my wife what she deserves, what's good for her well-being, what's going to allow her to be successful. And Mm -hmm. what she's going to do is the exact same thing. She's going to reciprocate that. And that commitment to each other where you are totally invested in giving to each other something which is way beyond, you know, we didn't get there yet, but way beyond just a regular partnership or way beyond just a regular relationship. And, and I think that, you know, whether, it's, whether a person is legally married or not, really what we, what we try and deal with a lot in the book is, what is the what is the paradigm of the relationship that you are in? So I think that you know the, the the world of marriage it still exists and it is very different than everything else. But if a person isn't in the marriage in the right way with the right paradigm, so really it can just be like every other relationship you have, and therefore if it doesn't work out, well let's move on. Well, and that's and that's really interesting because you know, that's kind of what I say is that you know. Marriage, and I know you're never supposed to use the, you modify the word unique, but marriage is truly a unique relationship. And every relationship before has failed somehow because we're not still in it. And so things need to be different if a marriage is going to last. And I'm wondering if going back to what was said earlier about, you know, understanding what marriage is, being ready for marriage, which I find to be a very interesting concept and one that I think would be helpful. But is that why we keep getting marriage wrong? Is because people don't fully understand what it is they're getting into? Yeah, I, I mean, we, we certainly believe that to be the case. You know, what, what's, uh, you know just to, to back up slightly, the, the work that Peter and I do 
and, and the, that we've been doing together for the last 15 years. And we, we each had sort of careers um, in different areas of life. Mine was primarily in business, and Peter's was, was in the world of architecture. And we, we came together um, about 15 years ago in the creation of an, of an institute in Jerusalem, which is um, a place where kind of best and brightest um, young people in their 20s and 30s can come. They can take a year or two years and do a fellowship where they study in depth things like character development. And it's, and it's, and it's done in kind of classic, um, you know, according to classic Jewish text and Jewish mysticism mm-hmm. and Jewish ethics. But it's, it's, they study things like character development, leadership, um, uh, Jewish philosophy, Jewish law, things like that. And one of the things that was such an aha to us when we started working with these students would be that you would be looking at someone in front of you. They'd be, let's call it 27, 28, 29 years old, top of their class, you know, at some Ivy League school, top of their mm-hmm. field, whether it was, you know, acting or medicine or social work or finance, um, you know, all, all fully prepared for everything that life has to throw at you, except for one thing, woefully, yeah, yeah, totally unprepared for marriage, meaning when it, com- when it came to, you know, finance, well, I studied it for seven years, and then I apprenticed with somebody, and I interned, and then I did this, and I did a master's, and I, you know, and, and I get reviewed, and I'm constantly being peer-reviewed, and I'm constantly, you know, keeping mm-hmm. up with literature. And, oh, and, and then you asked him, by the way, what's the most important thing that you think life will have to offer? Oh, absolutely, marriage, love, and building a family. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then you say, well, that's fantastic. So you've done 15 right. years of preparation for your, for your business. How about, how, how's, that, how's your marriage preparation stacking up? And they look at you with a bit of a blank stare, and, uh-huh. they, and, they, and they look down, and they sort of gulp, and they go, well, I mean, you know. And then you say, well, have you ever seen mm-hmm. a really successful marriage? And they say, well, my parents got divorced, you know, when I was young. And I have some friends who are married, but, you know, not maybe so, per, you know, and, some, and, and, and literally you start going down that, that path of questioning. And what you find out is that people are just incredibly unprepared for marriage. And why? Because whoever suggested that marriage is something that you need to study up on, think about, define, know what you're getting into, and then fully commit to at the right. beginning – you know, and by the way, you know, we commit to a marriage before we fully know our spouse. I mean, we all, any, anybody, know, anybody who's ever gotten married, you know, probably realizes I didn't really fully know who it was that I was marrying sometimes until a long time into the relationship as I, as I begin to see many aspects of the personality of the person I am now, you know, committed mm-hmm. to. And, and, and well, that says a lot about the meaning of commitment at, up front. And, and I'll just leave you with, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to go on too long about this, but I'll leave you with one very interesting statistic, and that is, you know, people think um, that, that if you live together, and therefore you sort of like know each other physically, and you know each other intimately, and, you know, you've kind of like gotten used to each other's habits and things, that when you get married, you have a much better chance of getting married than, say, people who, you know, did not go through that let's live together first experience. Mm-hmm. It, turns out that that's, it turns out that that's not true. And, and the second thing is you'd also think that people in second marriages would also be much, much, much better at it because, you know, gee, they made that mistake last time and they know what kind of spouse they don't want and they, you know, and they, they're not going to be like that last person. 
And guess what? The, 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 the divorce rate among second marriages is, is as high as it is it's among higher. first marriages. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that's, so, like, where is this... Where is this amazing, you know, thoughtful human being, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. able to stand behind, um, you know, all of all of these important aspects of life when when it, when we when we just basically approach this incredibly important part of life with with no training and really no understanding. Well, I mean, and that's something I've said all the time is that you know, falling in love is easy. Creating a loving relationship that lasts is a whole lot harder. And, you know, I'm going to slam the Beatles, and it's like, yeah, love is not all you need. You need more than that. But people seem to think, oh, we're in love. It's all going to be fine. And forget the fact that my parents' relationship didn't work, or even if it did work, that's really the only other marriage we're actually going to see because we don't actually know what's going on behind the closed doors of our friends. All we see is what they put out in public. Now, you know, which, which you know, it, it goes to these people who suddenly get divorced. Everybody goes, oh, I thought they had the perfect marriage. Well, something was going on behind closed doors. So this idea that we can actually learn something, that there's actually, you know, it's like, you know, yep. I, I'm all for that. Right. You know, it's interesting. Just, just to add a point here, you know, you, you, you touched on it, so. I want to capitalize on it. The idea that we probably say to our, you know, the people that we work with the most, more than anything else, is that what people have to understand is that great marriages don't happen. Great marriages are built. Mm -hmm. And there's no such thing as two great people that showed up to a wedding ceremony and everything worked out happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And the idea when you have it in your head that a great marriage is built then all of a sudden you realize that the only way I'm going to get that dream that I want is by me really putting in lots of time and lots of effort in order to make this happen. Unfortunately, you know, one of the, the realities that we live in is we live in a world that when the inspiration fades and we're no longer so excited by something, we, we look for something new and we look for what else is out there. And just like we do that with our technology and with our clothes and with restaurants. We do that in relationships as well. And, we, and what we always tell everyone that we work with, and we speak about this a lot in the book, is at that point when the inspiration, when the, you know, the new energy begins to fade, at that point is when the marriage actually begins. And the question is, now that you've got that initial kind of boost of inspiration, now what are you going to do with that? And, and, and at that point right there, as, as Todd always speaks about, when the curtain kind of ends at the movie, you know, when the couple rides off into the sunset, mm-hmm. now the next day when that couple wakes up, that's when the marriage begins. And, and that's where you can take your marriage from being just, this is a wonderful relationship, to this is the marriage that I always dreamed of. Well... And I love it, and that's actually why I called the show what I called it, and just to remind people, this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking marriage with authors Todd Jacobs and Dr. Peter Lynn of the David Robinson Institute for Jewish Heritage in Jerusalem. And what we're talking about is that having a successful marriage does not have to be a crapshoot or a 50-50 flip of a coin. There is real knowledge available about what makes it work, but as I've said before, no one is required to take a relationship 101 class, 
So the information often is overlooked. But if you want to have a better marriage, I invite you to reach out and schedule your free no-obligation Create Your Happily Ever After strategy session. You can reach me by email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. Or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. So I want to get back to talking about um, marriage and the book. And in again, the name of that book is Not a Partnership, Why We Keep Getting Marriage Wrong and How We Can Get It Right. So we talked a little bit about what goes wrong in marriage. So now I want to talk to you gentlemen about how to make it better, what works. And, you're, and in your book, you talk about five character issues that are at the core of a successful spouse. So can you describe what those are? Sure. I mean, let's 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 take one of them. One of them is the ability to actually, like an adult, commit, and to <laughs> and to and to and to, you know, I can I, I I'd like to just give you a sense of how how fundamental commitment is, the ability to commit, how fundamental that is to to really being a an adult human being in in any part mm-hmm. of life. There's there's a very fascinating um, concept that, that that comes out of Jewish mysticism, which is you know thousands of years old and is and it's quite profound. You know, religious or not religious, I think you can you can gain something from the from the insight. And that is that everything in reality comes into reality in two very distinct phases. There's a phase which I'm going to paraphrase it and call it the inspiration phase. That is okay. a temporary phase which is filled with possibility and filled with all kinds of sparks and all kinds of amazing potential and the feeling of potential, um, but it doesn't last. And that phase exists in order to, to give you the possibility of entering phase two, which is a phase which is, again, I'm paraphrasing what it's called, but more or less it's called the phase of making it real. Now, b- before, I, before I apply it to marriage, let's look at it in an in a, in a, in a, in a environment where I think everybody understands it. Let's take, for example, childhood versus adulthood, right? Mm-hmm. What, what, uh, two distinct phases. Now, by the way, not all adults live in the mode of being adults. Many adults live as, as children. But let's, but let's yes, talk about that. Unfortunately, that's true, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> and, and, that, and I, I, let me, I don't want to be sexist about it, but it tends to be a more male problem. I don't know if you agree with that or disagree with that. From our work, it seems to be a more male problem to remain a child. But okay. Um, having said that, the, the, the process of childhood is a process of total possibility, like infinite mm-hmm. possibility. What's so beautiful and adorable about a child is, you know, today the kid is, you know, a policeman or policewoman. Tomorrow it's an astronaut or a ballerina. The next day it's, you know, a baker or a fire person, you know, the fire chief. Oh, yeah. and, and every day it's something. And, and that's so beautiful and it's so filled with possibility and charm. But, of course... The, the, the tragedy of it is that a child can be anything, but a child is really nothing. Now, when you, when you translate that into adulthood, having had the experience of the feeling of all the things that I could be, adulthood uh-huh. begins, the, begins the process of now cutting away all the things that I could be, but I'm not going to be, so I can fully uh-huh. commit to being something. And, and by the way, it's not, it's not coincidental that the word decide is, the, is related to the word homicide, because every time I make a choice of what I'm going to be, I'm obviously cutting away something I'm not going to be. And that's a very, very painful thing. 
So, you know, when I say that many people live as, as children, even when they're adults, it means, you know, I, I can't really commit myself to this woman. I can't really commit myself to, to this job. I can't commit myself to this house even, or this watch for that matter, because, it, <laughs> because, because it, you know, I want to have the potential for any watch or any home or any woman or any job. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, I never be anything. And what, now let's translate that into marriage. So in, in, in marriage, there, we all know, we all crave, we all love that 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 experience, that exhilarating experience, which Peter referred to before, of, of, of the romance phase. You know, I can't right. breathe anymore, and, all, and I'm intoxicated by you, and physically it's so overwhelming, and, and, and just incredible, incredible. And then, and then that is enough to get you into a relationship, but the problem in our society is that we think that that's going to last, and it doesn't. And when the curtain comes up, as Peter said, on, on Act 2, Scene 1, which is, okay, Romance phase finished. Now, now we have to make a decision. Uh, most people look at that and go, "Wow, you know, I'm not so excited, and I'm not, you know, my heart isn't beating as fast anymore. And, and gee, it, that person's not quite as charming as I thought. I guess it's another dud. I guess I've been, you know, tricked by life one more time. When, when in reality, that's the moment that an adult says, "One second, this is the moment. I, this is the moment of truth where I now have to actually commit myself to being an adult." And saying that I, I am I'm involved with this person, I believe in this person, I saw many things I like about this person, they're not perfect, neither am I, but this is the person mm-hmm. I'm going to now commit myself to making that person happy and completing them and hopefully building something much bigger than I could build ever by myself. And, that's a, and that is a character trait which people need to work on, and, it's, and they first have to understand it conceptually, and then you have to do the actual hard work of trying to make that happen, and that's a, char- that's a fundamental character issue. Well, and it's really interesting that you, because as you were saying that, I'm thinking, well, that's what the marriage ceremony is, but I don't think people have the slightest idea of what it is they're actually presenting <laughs> when they get married. And it's kind of like, you know, but, but that is, I mean, you're talking about the commitment, and that's what they're standing up and promising, except you know, it's like, oh, wait, I promised that? What the heck did that mean? <laughs> so I love that. Yep. Yep. And uh, and we and we have found that, you know, that it's a big surprise and most people run away at that point. And that's why that's why, you know, the divorce rate is 50 percent of all the people that get married. Um, and, and by the way, you know, what we what we found, one of the reasons that we decided to write this book was we never went into the business. We never went in even when we opened up our institute, uh, the institute that I spoke about before. We never opened that up thinking that we're all about marriage you know, marriage counseling, uh-huh. it just turned out that that was the part of life which people needed the most help in. And, and one of the things that we found was that, that 15 years later, the students that we helped prepare with some combination of kind of deep insights from ancient wisdom combined with, you know, cutting edge research, combined with a lot of hand-holding and a lot of, you know, a real, you know real-time um, help, which is, you know, what you know all about, which, you, which you've mm-hmm. been helping people we found that the divorce rate amongst our students over a 15-year period was about one-tenth the rate of divorce in the United States on average. And that was the first big aha that maybe, maybe we're on to something. The second uh-huh. thing is, is, that, is that even though 50% of marriages may stay married, how many of them really are the center of happiness and well-being that people entered into the process of marriage you know, craving and dreaming about? And I think it's actually it's actually you know probably a fairly small number of real true happily ever married people who have not 
done the proper amount of work uh, and just kind of left it to chance, which is the way many people enter the enter the process. When you go to the you know at the marriage ceremony, when that when the words are said and the couple is you know staring at each other and they make that commitment, and all that money is spent on that wedding you know ceremony, that. The reason why, I think more than anything else, of why we wrote our book was because what we felt was missing is that, you know, there are lots of great marriage books out there that we love. I have a bookshelf in front of me now. I think I have most of those great books on my shelf, and we give them out nonstop. But mm-hmm. we wanted to write a book which was, in some way, a prerequisite to those books, which really gave people a clear definition of this is what a marriage is. This is how it works, and to really actually make it that when people now go into a marriage, or even once they're in a marriage, if they can get the fundamentals clear about what this whole thing of marriage is about, then you can take all those other marriage books and put them on top of it, as far as, okay, how to work on this, how to change this, how to develop this. But if the fundamentals aren't there, as far as if you really don't know what you're doing here and how to make this whole thing work, then it's, you're guaranteed that things are going to fall apart very fast. And the reality is that's what we see in the world today. Well, and, and that's, one of, you know, that's one of my things, and, and it's why I do the show and it's why I do my work, is that, you know, and, and people ask me. I mean, I've, I've been asked this. I've been doing this for 20 years, and, and people say, well, do you do premarital work? I said, I would love to if anybody was interested. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I mean, but most people, it's like, it's all about the wedding, and, you know, and then it's like, you wake up three months later, and it's like, oh, my God, what did I do? Who is this person? And it's this absolute panic, and one of the things that makes me crazy, and I'm glad you guys did not say it, um, is that, you know, marriage is hard work. Well, not if you know, not if you know the pieces. Yes, it's always going to take effort, because the effort. But different effort, and this is one of the things I want to ask you guys about, because you talk about this in your book, and most people think of effort as, oh, my partner should be doing A, B, C, and D. Rarely is it I'm looking in the mirror, and what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? And I, and I mm-hmm. think that that's, and I really like you guys to talk about that in the time we have left. We don't have a whole lot of time, but about, because it's about me being a good spouse. Right, right, and, and that, and that's a, that's absolutely a, such a key question, Leslie. And look, the, the the book is called "Not a Partnership," and that that title tends to jar people a little bit. What do you mean, it's not a I partnership? Have to admit, it jarred me. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it's a partnership. You know, it's the ultimate partnership. Well, let me, mm-hmm. the spoiler alert, by the way, is that marriage really is a true partnership if you get it right. But let me let me mm-hmm. tell you why we called it, let me tell you why we called it not a partnership because here's how most people think about a partnership um, and and by the way from from my from my background in business I will tell you that most partnerships in the world of business fail and and it's interesting because they don't tend to fail because they have bad business plans bad product bad marketing they tend to fail for the following reason two people get together we create a partnership okay mm-hmm. well what does that mean. That means I have my rights and my, obli- and my obligations, and you have your rights and you have your obligations. Now, how does it work out in practice? I always feel that I'm doing my share, so what do I spend <laughs> all my time doing? I spend all my time looking at how you're not doing your share. Uh-huh. And therefore, 
bitter recriminations begin, they begin to build, frustration builds, and, and there's almost no partnership that succeeds, and usually the reason that they break up is because each side looks at it as the other side let me down. I'm doing uh-huh. what I'm supposed to be doing, and they blew it. Now, let's, 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 let's turn that into marriage. If that's, the, if that's the attitude I go into marriage with, which is that, you know, I've got my rights and your responsibility, you have yours, uh, to me, I, I will fall into that trap of always looking at what you're not doing for me. And the human condition is we get used to almost anything good, and it, uh-huh. begins, it gets built in as an expectation. So all the, you know, the 200 things a week that my spouse does for me, I take that for granted, and I am sniffing out constantly whatever it is she didn't do for me today or didn't do for me you know, t- t- the next day. And so, mm-hmm. and, and that's how, so that's a, that is a surefire way to destroy a marriage, just like it's a surefire way to destroy a partnership in business. The, what, what we spend a lot of time um, delving into in the book is that I can actually succeed in my marriage specifically if I look at myself as being responsible for it. When I, take my, when, I, when I look at my job as, as I need to be the spouse and act in the capacity that my husband or wife needs me to act in so that I can help them build their life and, and, and in the process build our life together, that's, mm-hmm. the, that's, the, that's the attitude which, which is an attitude which can actually help someone succeed. And we've actually seen, we've actually seen marriages where one side of the marriage um, was being held up by one person who said, you know, I'm going to make it happen in this marriage, irrespective of what my spouse does. Now, we, have, we actually have a chapter in the book called It All Depends on Me. And, uh-huh. and what, we, what we found is if one person will begin to take responsibility, and, and, I, and Peter did a lot of the work on the, on the practical implementation of this, so I, so I hope he'll, he'll chime in here, but, but we found that if one person begins to make that move, it creates a whole new dynamic in marriage where one person can literally begin to save a marriage, even though the spouse may not be holding up their end of the bargain right now. Peter, you want to maybe hit the, the practical side of this? Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 we always, in, just to go off of this topic here, is, is one of the practical kind of tools that we, we speak about in our book, is, is this idea of, it's almost in some way indirect kind of giving, and really it's, it's a way of how to work on your marriage, probably in the most effective way, but it's a bit outside of the box. And I'll explain like this. If you look at, if you look at people's, you know, people's lives, basically people have about three to four, let's talk about negative core traits. Okay. People think that they're quite complicated. People are actually quite simple. Things, <laughs> things manifest, in a, things manifest in a complicated manner. But let's say, for example, okay, a person has an anger issue in their life, a deep-seated uh-huh. anger issue. What they're going to probably see is that that anger issue comes out at work, it comes out with their parents, it comes out in their, in their extracurricular activities, it comes out with their friends, and especially probably where it comes alive is in their marriage. Yep. Okay. Especially since in our marriages, we usually let our guard down a bit too much, but that's a separate topic in itself. And <laughs> what is, what's fascinating is like this. And, and what we have found is, is some of the work that we've done is we say to couples, listen, forget about your marriage right now. Forget your marriage exists. What I want you to do is I want you to pick one of those main fundamental core issues in your life. And what I want you to do is you're going to ignore your marriage and you are going to spend time 
working on that. You're going to go to seminars. You're going to read books. You're going to take a master class. You're going to listen to a podcast. You're going to find a therapist. And you are just going to hyper-focus on figuring out how to make some real growth in one of those core fundamental negative issues that you have. And what we have found is unbelievable. Number one is that when the person actually works on that, well, of course his marriage is going to benefit, right? Because anger is probably a really destructive force in his marriage. But number two, which is amazing, is that it creates this upward spiral where now all of a sudden this person's spouse is going to say, hey, well, what are some things in my life? I probably have a couple of those, you know, or a few of those core fundamental negative traits. And therefore, let me take one of mine. And all of a sudden, what you have is this ultimate image in my mind. I try and like to put a visual image to it. You have a husband and a wife in their bedroom, and they each have a side table. And each side table is packed with their <laughs> own personal kind of, you know, library of, you know, they're working, these books and this podcast and this folder to this seminar they're taking and their calendar schedule with their therapist for tomorrow and, you know, two weeks from now. And you have, you have each spouse basically working on that issue, which is impacting all areas of their life, but especially in their marriage. And now what you see is you see a tremendous change within the marriage itself because even though we didn't directly focus on the marriage, since we directly focused on issues that are impacting the marriage, all of a sudden real change actually happened. Well, and, and I love it because that's, that's the whole concept of somebody leading by example. And, mm-hmm. it also, and it also touches on what a lot of people do in their, in, in their uh, professional life. I mean, it's like every year I have to go and get continuing education units to continue to do what I do. Um, you know, people will be reading books or, or going to seminars or going to conferences. And it's like, okay, can we please get CEUs for your marriage? <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think you right. talked about this earlier about, you know, it's like, it's like we get performance appraisals in our, in our jobs. It's like, do we do a yearly performance appraisal in our marriage? And I think that would probably terrify most people. But it would also so, go, oh. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I, it's been a long time since I've worked for a company. I do my, you know, my own, my own performance appraisal is by how many clients I have at any given time. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but this idea that, you know, that, that once we're married, we get to kick back, put our feet up, and coast, I think it's partially, you know, and then it's my, it's my partner's responsibility to ensure my happiness, and I don't have to do anything. Yeah, that's exactly right, Liz. That's exactly the paradigm which crushes a marriage. We have a, we have a chapter where we speak about the following. We have a bit of a litmus test a person can run on themselves, um, and it's it's it can be quite terrifying. You know, <laughs> what we ask people to do is think back to when you were dating your spouse, mm-hmm. and think about think about what it was like when you were getting ready for a date. Okay. Uh, you probably, if you were male, you probably made sure you were shaved. Um, uh-huh. You probably made sure either one of you, you were dressed nicely. You made sure you were showered. You made sure you uh-huh. smelled. You made sure you smelled good. You know, <laughs> you made sure. You made sure to. You know, if if you know if you're you know in a society where there's a little bit of chivalry left, you know, you made sure to open the door for her. She made sure to do uh-huh. X for you. You did Y for her. Um, and and. 
And then you say to yourself, okay, now that I have a good, clear picture of what I was like back then, how am I, how am I stacked up on all of those issues now? Right here we are, ten, you know, mm-hmm. five years later, ten years later, and 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 I'm going to go meet my wife for dinner. Okay, did I shower? Did I shave? Do I smell good? Did I change mm-hmm. my clothes? Did I make sure that I'm going to, you know, d- that I'm going to do all the chivalrous things that I did and all the polite things that I did, and 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 you know, and 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 stay away from the unpleasant habits that I might have, you know, in my private life, um, so to make sure that I don't in any way offend or you know my 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 that other person's sensitivities. And most uh-huh. people, when they look at themselves now versus where they were then. It, it's cringeworthy. It is truly cringe. And and you ask a person, and then you ask them, you know, after they after that cringe, you ask them, so what changed? And this is what I think Peter was referring to a minute ago when he said we put our guard down a little too much when we're married. You know, uh-huh. when we get married. And and putting our guard down means, you know, I know at work I'm not allowed to get angry and scream or or use profanity uh-huh. or. Or use offensive language to any of my colleagues, let alone my boss, but not even a colleague, and certainly not an underling, and not not anybody. And yet, right. here I am in marriage. Wow, here I can finally like say it like it is and tell them what I feel, and mm-hmm. you know, and, and say you know, and it's to- it's got it totally wrong. Here's the person I, I should be showing the most respect for out of anybody in the world, more than my boss, and more than my and more than my mm-hmm. colleague, because this person matters more to me. And this is where I have almost no filtration. So then that person says, well, you know, I was acting when I was going out on a date. You don't expect me to act now. And guess what? You do have to continue acting in life. And by the well, way, let's take his... Yeah, I mean, with, with not, your kids, it, don't... Yeah, go ahead. I'm and sorry. It isn't, it's not really acting. It's, it's putting your best self forward. I mean, now, now, there are some people who actually do act, and they're not, you know, they're putting on a... They're not really who they are when they're dating. Yeah, we, I don't are, mean it in a critical way. I, I mean it just like you said it. I want to show yeah. you my best self. Well, and, and, and I, oh, I wish I didn't have to end this conversation right now because I think it's a great conversation, um, and I may just have to have you guys come back on. But um, can you tell people where they can get this book? Because I really think everybody needs to be reading it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's www.notapartnership.com. And for anybody who's listening to this podcast, we'll have a notapartnership.com forward slash happily ever after where uh, people can get a special offer who have been listening to your podcast, Leslie. Terrific. So and any other information, um, maybe about the Institute, anything else you guys want to share? The institution is called the David Robinson Institute for Jewish Heritage. Um, and it is where we spent the last you know 15 years of our life dealing with uh, – with about uh, with about thirty students a year, um, and and as I said, you know, we inadvertently wound up getting very 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 involved in relationships and marriage through that process, um, and that led us to the writing of this book, which we, we really felt was taking the this, the 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 most distilled and poignant things that we could teach that came out of what we're giving our students over a period of a couple of years. And boil it down for a general audience, irrespective of male, female, religious, not religious, married, you know, not married. We really think it's fundamental stuff for anybody who wants to get into a meaningful relationship and, and, and try to make it work. Okay. Well, I want to thank you, gentlemen, and I want my listeners to know, as always, that the path to a better marriage doesn't have to be a secret. 
<laughs> it's available to anybody who wants to learn and implement the skills, and you've got a great roadmap right now from today. And so the question becomes, what steps are you willing to take? And hopefully one of those steps will be to continue to listen to the show. So until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.